Hi, and welcome to Life with Catherine, episode 48, Metropolis. In this episode, I delve into the mother of all science fiction movies and the delight I found in its absolute mayhem. When this was released, America was transitioning from the affluent times of the Roaring Twenties to the Great Depression of the Dirty Thirties, which lasted a decade. Germany had signed the Treaty of Versailles ending World War I in 1919, and this movie, the period in time, there was still another 10 years to the start of World War II in 1939. Um, In 1929, when the movie was made in Germany, the rates of unemployment and inflation were very high. Um, It was released in 1927, but it was filmed and registered in 1925. Under the Copyright Act of 1909, the film was to be copyright protected for 28 years, plus another 28 years upon re-registration. But for some reason, it wasn't re-registered and the copyright lapsed in 1953. And it fell back into copyright protection again due to a signed treaty in 1996. And now we'll stay under copyright protection until 2022. Spoiler alert, I talk about the movie in detail and I discuss major plot points. I discuss the biblical references to the Tower of Babel and the originality that I enjoy about silent films. Here we go. This is Life with Catherine, sharing stories from my heart with a smile. And I'll even sing once in a while. Together, we'll learn more about the people who inspire me. Come along, pond. All right, Metropolis. This is a movie I came across because I was listening to JRE, the Joe Rogan Experience, and he referenced a story uh, called The Tower of Babel, and that's B-A-B-E-L. And so it got me digging a little. I wonder what that story is, and it's a biblical story. I'll get into that. But researching that led me into this movie. And it's something that I've always kind of wanted to watch. It's very it's the very first reported science fiction movie ever made. And it's quite astounding and fascinating to look at it in its predictability of the future. And how much is art imitating life and life imitating art? All right, so let's get into this. It's a movie from 1927, a German movie starring Brigitte Helm as Maria, uh, Alfred Abel as the dad, Frohl, and Gustav Folick as Freder. So the, the triangle is the father, the son, and his love interest, the, the son's love interest. And they are the main focus and glue of the story and everybody else interacts around them. It's a movie directed by Fritz Lang, who also directed The Thousand Eyes of Dr. Dr. Mabuse, 
That just sounds awesome. What a title, The Thousand Eyes of Dr. Mabuse. Um, and he also directed a movie with Bridget Bardot. So this movie was based off a screenplay written, written by Fritz Lang's wife. I have notes about that later. Um, the tagline from Wikipedia, oh, nope, from IMDb is, in 2026, a futuristic city is sharply divided between the working class and the city planners. The son of the city's mastermind falls in love with a working class prophet who predicts the coming of a savior to mediate their differences. The saying that I took from this movie they say it a few different ways, but this comes out that I tagged it at the beginning to bring it up is there can be no understanding between the hands and the brain unless the heart acts as a mediator. I just think that's a strong statement about life and love and respect of self and others. It just really struck me that in 1927, and of course it was written before it started airing, um, before its premiere, I, I don't know, it just really stuck, struck, um, stuck with me. So it's a German film. The premiere was shown on January 10th, 1920. Seven. Oh, I'm trying to move my mouse down. It's not working. All right. For decades, all that survived of Metropolis were an incomplete original negative and copies of shortened re-edited re release prints. Over a quarter of the film was thought to be lost and in July or something, 2008, um, there was a reported discovery uh, of the a uh, part of the film, and it gets into uh, I think it's IMDb gets into a lot of the specifics. I'm going to reference Wikipedia, IMDb, and a few different sites. Um, they found some of the missing sequences, and they actually um, pieced together some of it uh, to rebuild the movie. So only people who saw the first, I guess, few years of it ever saw the full complete movie. Some of the footage was lost. It's not like today. So you can go on IMDb and read that piece. Um, I'm just looking. After almost 80 years, the film is now practically complete, barring sections such as the fight with Rotwang. So it's not that it's just a fight scene, which I, I thought was interesting, but it's not integral to the story. One of the most interesting experiences of watching this movie is you can see every movie that has taken from this from then all the way up until now. You can see Star Wars in it. You can see Blade Runner in it. You can see Doctor Who in it. You can see so many references to everything about this movie. Uh, like 
they're saying that um, the robot of this film inspired the look for C-3PO, and it absolutely did. And this was also, IMDb says, it was the first film ever to be registered in the Memory of the World Register in the UNESCO in 2001. And I thought that was interesting. You do have to suspend belief watching it, but you have to understand this was 1927. They didn't have the same level of technology, but I thought they did a really good job. I can, I can get lost in a movie if it's done right. I thought they did a really great job and I didn't find it distracting at all. Even it's uh, black and white and it has a lot of, uh, was it black and white? Oh, now I'm completely blank. Um, it had a lot. Now I have to look. Let's have a look. You know what? It doesn't matter. So I don't think it was black and white. Um, it's a silent film is what I was trying to say. It's a silent film. So they have a character generator where they, they literally put on the screen the words. So you'll see the actor, um, the actors interacting and talking. And then it'll show what they said. You would think it would be bothersome and distracting. But for me, I found it oddly settling. Like you could just see the interaction between the people and imply everything from it. Your mind goes along the journey and then they show exactly what they said. And I thought that was an interesting experience. Um, the establishing shots of the city with cars, planes and elevated trains moving about were shot using stop-motion photography. The cars were modeled on the newest taxi cabs driving the streets of Berlin. Um, so it, it's kind of interesting to watch the, you know, like they're trying to <laughs> have buildings, but you can really tell they're just little models. But it doesn't matter. It's still quite enjoyable. This I thought was amazing. So Fritz Lang, the director, started shooting with a different actor cast as our young hero, Freder. Um, and in the early days of shooting, they, uh, I think it's his wife, um, noticed <laughs> the actor Gustav Froelich on set and was like, he was just like a extra cast as the worker and they ended up firing the actual lead actor and putting this guy in the role and I think he's superb in it actually he's good in it the 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 woman who plays Maria is outstanding and I will get into that she was amazing considering she has no dialogue it's all words printed on the screen. She just brings out everything in her face. There is, I, I put a later note in this, there's no Zoolander faces in this movie, especially with her. So the Tower of Babel is gonna be referenced in this and so I'm going to go on to Wikipedia and tell you what this story is. It's just very short. So Wikipedia says, The Tower of Babel is a Hebrew story as told in Genesis 11, 1-9. 1 
Is an origin myth meant to explain why the world's people speak different languages? According to the story, a united humanity in the generations following the Great Flood, speaking a single language and migrating eastward, comes to the land of Shinar. There they agreed to build a city and a tower tall enough to reach heaven. God, observing their city and tower, confounds their speech so that they can no longer understand each other and scatters them around the world. Some modern scholars have associated the Tower of Babel with known structures, notably Elamenanki, a ziggurat dedicated to the Mesopotamian god Marduk. All right, I, there's no way I'm getting through this sentence. <laughs> Marduk by Nabopolassar, the king of Babylonia, circa 610 BCE. The great ziggurat of Babylon was 91 meters, 300 feet in height, Alexander the Great ordered it to be demolished circa 331 BCE in preparation for a reconstruction that is death forestalled. A Sumerian story with some similar elements is told in Emankar and the Lord of Arata. Anyways, you get the point. It's all about language and the creation of different languages around the world. And the confusion that that would cause. It, that's the point of, that I'm trying to make so that you can understand the story. This was the world's first feature-length science fiction movie. And then, of course, that, made, that led me to go, oh, when is the first real science, or short uh, science fiction? And it's um, A Trip to the Moon, I believe, is it? And I'm going to have a look at that later. Some people call this one of the most influential movies ever made. And influential is the right word. That's the word I would use for it. I don't want to plagiarize, so I'm trying to re um, review again all this information that I've put down. So the beginning of the movie opens with, it doesn't show the above city. It shows that there is a city and our main focus in the beginning are these, what we would call miners, these under city workers who go under the city and do the grunt work, the hard labor and are, for all intents and purposes, a nameless, faceless number and punching their card, punching their time card. And it's supposed to be a 10 hour shift of hard labor. And then they go off and they're exhausted and they all wear the same thing. It's all gray. It's a bleak existence is the theme. But what's imaginative and fascinating right from the start is the way they all move is so in unison and I looked it up it was all just choreographed but they move in such unison to the music the music the instrumental music is playing 
And just the way they walk, left, right, it's not a march the way uh, you would in the military. It's a movement and it's a hearkening back to um, those kinds of, I don't know, that kind of job. But there's a choreography to it that is very interesting. The way they all move is fascinating. So you should absolutely watch that. It's beyond me how they did that. Um, all right. Yes, the story of Babel. And so you see the underworld and it's... Um, seedy. It's a lot of steam and machines and metal and there is a, I called it like a Wizard of Oz type machine that's way oversized and it has a mouth that opens and down, very mechanical and I don't know, it reminded me of the Wizard of Oz. Um, so it, the movie, uh, you see this underground world and they all take elevators down to the, the underworld and you get the idea that this is happening. Then we go into Sorry about that, I had to go back and look uh, what part happened first, and yes, that is the correct order. So we, we, we've set the scene that there's this underworld running this city that's above, which they actually do in Doctor Who as well at some points with, uh, oh, spoiler alert, maybe I won't say the episode name. <laughs> um, so then we move up to freighter. He is the, I would call it the immature man-child, our, our, our hero of the story. He's very sheltered. He lives in a garden of Eden with um, everything at his whim. These, um, This guard comes in and announces, which lovely young lady would like to entertain freighter today? And they all jump and they all want to be at his uh, attention and uh, it's very old school that way and uh, they specifically cast someone who has like a dark hat so like these this kind of Darth Vader versus Luke Skywalker kind of outfit that kind of uh, playing off each other I told you Star Wars is all the way through this this was first of course <laughs> so Freighter is this innocent childlike young man who's completely sheltered and living in this beautiful garden of Eden and all of a sudden oh by the way spoiler alert if you want to watch this movie watch it first before you listen to this okay so in this movie Freighter is frolicking around in the garden and out of nowhere the elevator doors open 
and yes there's elevators and this beautiful woman comes out she's very demure and um, composed and she has a, a crowd of children around her and she comes out and she presents these children um, they, they're very very close to her but she yells to Freyder shouts to Freyder and says these children are your brothers and sisters and as a, 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 a immature un emotionally developed young man who it is implied he's an only child he really attaches to that and he's quite lonely in his generic life and so it's quite interesting he really overly attaches to this idea that he has brothers and sisters he doesn't physically believe they are his brothers and sisters but he has this confusion about him that he's trying to process and understand and it doesn't help that it's coming from a very beautiful woman <laughs> so he uh, uh, the, the security guards come and they chase the girl away and um, they chase the girl back into the elevator and down into the underworld and Freyder is just a little bit surprised so he follows her and uh, ends up in the underworld that he didn't even know existed and it's loud and smelly and sweaty and noisy and very confusing to him and what happens while he's down there is a lot of uh, uh, like an explosion happens and wackiness ensues this loud machine thing wizard of oz thing um, is offered up some humans um, as sacrifice so freighter is very confused about what is going on so what does he do he goes to his authority figure which is his father so this is where i started taking notes so freighter um, is trying to wrap his head around the fact that this beautiful oasis he lives in is actually an illusion well it's not an illusion but it the costs of having it are an illusion there is a heavy price to pay um, but he's just too immature to process it so he speaks with his father who looks away very contemplative they both look out the window of his office tower onto the metropolitan city The visual effects um, <laughs> are primitive, let's call it, but it's still interesting the way they, so the, the father and son are looking out the window, the way that they, the director chose to show it was so interesting, presenting the city, each building is shown from a very different sharp sharply filmed whoops my notes are gone blunt abstract angle and it's probably it maybe to create more illusion i just thought it was a really creative way to show instead of just straight on which a director does want to be creative but i thought it was really interesting the way he did that 
Frater is very confused when his father explains the people who built the city, they actually live in the depths. And Frater is just uh, shocked and he starts asking very childlike questions like what about a an uprising what happens when the people aren't satisfied anymore sorry you can hear my watch going off so they introduce what's called the heart of the machine that runs the city until this point it's a strange robotic wizard of oz figure um the head of the father's security <laughs> it's really funny because uh sorry it's not it's but um the the head of security keeps getting crapped on for by the the father for bringing other people are bringing him information so for example freighter comes and says there was an accident and i saw it and i was down there number 1 he's like why were you down there number 2 He's like, he looks at his head of security, why didn't I hear this from you? And then another person, the security, head of security brings in somebody to give a first-hand account. And the dad looks at him and goes, why aren't you the one telling me this? And he's like, I wanted you to have the first-hand information. It's like, no, 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 you should be telling me this. So the guy's just like, he can't win, basically. So the father... Fro, he's had it. He um, fires the head of security, who um, very quietly and demurely swallows his pride and leaves. Freighter, the son, witnesses this. And up until this point, his life had been all play. He now hands, hangs his head. Everything is very still and quiet and... Everyone's kind of in their own world, uh, processing. And it dawns on Freighter that this trusted person, the head of security, has now been not just fired, but banished to the lower depths. And now that Freighter has seen the atrocities his father is capable of, he feels um, compelled to go and save this fellow. His name I have in the later notes. So I quite often refer to him as the security, head of security, even though he's been fired. So Freighter is distraught and runs after the now dismissed head of security, who is in despair at his fate. The interesting part is that the father doesn't even try to shield his son anymore. He just says, yeah, that's who I am. Yeah, that's me. This is what it is. This is the price. Uh, and doesn't comfort him, doesn't do anything, which isn't out of the ordinary. It's just, it's this sharp, you're now grown up. You now have to deal with this. Freighter decides to go down into the depths. It had really struck Freighter hard in the beginning when the beautiful sweet stranger brought all the children to his garden of Eden and referred to them as brothers and sisters. He really does see them as potential brothers and sisters, like a, a familial bond, which he hasn't quite had. So Freighter tells the security guard to go to his own home and wait, that he will join him soon. Freighter goes down into the depths, 
to discover more about the city and he makes a deal with a worker to trade identities because he wants to go undercover and see. Unfortunately, that worker finds money in his new clothes and heads out for a night on the town instead of going to meet up at the security guard's house as he agreed to when he switched identities with Freighter. So Freighter's now working a hard labor 10-hour shift and he can barely make it through. So what's happening is Freighter is trying to understand what this world is really like and he's trying to find the woman. He's trying trying to um, make sense of everything. And he feels the only way he can do this is this way. There is a character called the Thin Man and he was confusing to me. I think it's because maybe some of those scenes are the ones that are gone. He's almost like a um, personal security person of the father of Fro, F-R-O-H. Um, it, it's almost like he's that. He was quite confusing to me. I didn't really follow that part of the storyline, but he works for the father. The father also has a confidant called Rotwang, who is basically the scientist of the story. He's a pseudo-Frankenstein who creates a robot-human hybrid. I believe it's called the man-machine. We're going to get into that. So now we're in the father's world. He's introduced this thin man, they call him, the spy. And then we also have Rotwang, the white-haired Frankenstein creation professor guy. Not professor, um, scientist. And uh, what happens is the father discovers plans in the clothing of some of his uh, workers in the underworld of the city. So he's discovered this. Someone has brought it to him. So he goes to Rotwang and says, please, can you tell me what these plans all mean? And Rotwang says, it's, I believe the city workers are going to have a secret gathering in the catacombs which is a 2,000-year-old cavern under the city. Ironically, that's the second time I've heard catacombs in a month. I didn't even know what they were. But another person that I know in my life, also uh, when I was in Paris, suggested I go check out the catacombs. And that's really what it is. It's an under-the-city tourist attraction but very morose and dark. And it's basically the, 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 the bones and the skeletons of old beings, old humans. Uh, anyways, I, I was like, no, that's a little too much for me. I know it's fascinating and maybe in a different headspace and not when I'm traveling alone. That may be something I really want to do. At the time, it wasn't. So <laughs> it's just funny how things come full circle. That's the second time I heard catacombs. But yeah, so they go in, uh, the father discovers there's the catacombs. And um, so there he wants to understand what's going on. So now we move to Freighter, who goes into the catacombs and he sees 
the beautiful woman he'd seen from afar in the gardens, preaching. She is a prophet. And he falls to his knees upon seeing her beauty and goodness, especially after a 10-hour shift of hard labor. I found it tricky to read her in the beginning. I thought maybe she was using him or manipulating him. But no, she is of all goodness and instantly she she does recognize him from from earlier and it's love, love at first sight. So while they're recovering from their long shift, they're listening to this beautiful woman uh, talk about the legend. Well, she proselytizes the legend of this Tower of Babel. She says, Come, let us build us let us build us a tower whose top may reach unto the stars, and on the top of the tower we will write the words, Great is the world and its creator, and great is man. She goes on to explain that the godlike philosophical minds who envisioned the tower tasked the building of it onto the slave laborers. There is a dichotomy of the laborers being disengaged from the greater vision, simply doing the task in front of them and really not knowing the final product being erected. So there's a split. They really only know the task in front of them. Confusion arises as even though they think they are speaking the same language as before, multiple languages are now created and they don't understand each other and there's a lot of division and confusion. In the story, Maria is saying, head and hands need a mediator. The mediated between the hands, the mediator between the head and the hands must be the heart. It's a great land. Lance, it's a great line. The mediator between the head and hands must be the heart. Maria sees Freighter, recognizes him, and instantly ends the session. The room empties and she approaches him slowly. She calls him the mediator. She leans in and kisses him. And they are instantly in love. We don't realize it, but the father is witnessing this interaction and orders Rotwang, the Frankenstein guy, to alter the robot woman he was creating into Maria's appearance because he wants to destroy this power that Maria has over Freighter, the faith that he has in her, the bond. Freighter and Maria agree to meet at the cathedral the next day, saying goodbye with a parting kiss and showing great affection, not wanting to let go of her. And I thought that was a really sweet moment, like when he's just holding her hand and that just that fingertip and he doesn't want to let go. There's such affection the way he's interacting with her. I thought it was really pure and simple and beautiful and also indicative of the maturity he's at at the time. 
he's not a fully grown mature man yet emotionally he's still quite childlike and I thought it was a very sweet so they part agreeing to meet the next day very Romeo and Juliet uh, the Frankenstein guy Rotwang traps Maria in the catacombs with all the skeletons yeah and she is overcome with terror and claustrophobia she flees and he chases her this happens a lot she escapes to the surface but when the final she gets to the final door at the top it's locked and the screen goes black and then we have intermezzo intermission which i thought was really interesting but i guess they had it in those days The text on screen explains that Rotwang is supposed to program the machine man, shaped as Maria, to destroy Freder's relationship. But Rotwang's bitterness towards the father gets the best of him, and instead he instructs the machine man to destroy the father, Freder, and the entire city mostly out of revenge for Fro, the father, destroying the purity of his creation. All he wanted was his beautiful robot in its current form. But the father uses his influence and power and demands that it be have Maria's face. And uh, so it just, it all goes awry, which is storytelling. <laughs> Freighter waits in the cathedral and um, the next day and is disappointed Maria doesn't show up so then he leaves we also find out um, in a parallel story that the thin man the spy has captured the worker that switched identities with Freighter um, he captured him and sent him back to his post so he really only got one night out Freighter actually goes to meet with his security guard friend and realizes he puts it together that the other guy didn't make it. So he's decided to head back to the city. His plan didn't work and he's headed back to the city. And then the thin man breaks into uh, the security guard's house, Joseph Ad, and tries to convince him to leave town, ending in a physical fight. So I didn't really follow the Thin Man story. It was kind of a parallel storyline again. That could be a lot of lost footage, but or maybe somebody else saw the movie differently for me. <clears throat> the next scene opens up with Maria still alive, trapped in a room with Rotwang approaching her. Oh, they they just go on forever with this, but there's such a a good dynamic between them that she just screams over and over. And so I just go, okay, sorry, um, I lost my train of thought. Um, so he's going to put her face on the machine man. Gross, like really gross. A crazy fight between them and uh, ensues and Freighter hears it and tries to get to her. So he knows she's there. He, uh, it's very dramatic. Freighter sees from a distance outside the building he sees them fighting so he goes into the building where she's being held and races through the different rooms uh, searching for her 
Wackiness ensues with doors inexplicably closing behind him and locking as he goes through them. And uh, he heads to the basement where now inexplicably the doors open this time instead of closing behind him. So clearly he's being manipulated into a certain direction. They don't really explain why or how. I guess they wrote it off as a mad scientist thing. Freighter bangs on the door to no avail and, exhausted, sees her scarf. Maria, he shouts desperately, trying with everything he has to break down the door to save her. And for some reason, there's a door in the floor and it looks like a real door. Of course there is. And he just lays on it, yelling her name. And the screen goes black. We open to Maria laying still in a clear body capsule. And Rotwang is fiddling with buttons. Very old school beakers and smoke and different things. Rotwang hesitates only for a moment. Not even out of fear. just, Just stops and pauses. And then flicks the switch to do a face switch between Maria and the Machine Man. It's a rather interesting set of special effects. It keeps you engaged with um, strange wobbly lights and rods and circular rings like hula hoops moving up and down the machine man's body. Then it comes to life with Maria's face. We're not really sure what has happened to the original Maria's body. It's there, but does she have a face? Is she dead? Is she passed out? What's going on? They do tell you, obviously. Freighter is sitting outside the door, distraught, when the door opens. He rushes in to search for Maria. Rotwang appears and explains that Maria is here. And she's with Freighter's father. And Freighter is very confused. He saw Maria there, but why is his father there? He doesn't really understand. And he turns around to see his father standing in front of the machine man with Maria's likeness. So I'm going to call her Evil Maria. Um, Fro is standing in front of Evil Maria. And... Freighter doesn't really understand. And his father had instructed before Freighter rushed in the evil Maria to destroy Freighter. So he, you know, little point, plot point already taken care of, check the box. Freighter rushes in and is just so confused. Why is my father like very quietly and closely talking to Maria. How does he even know her? And his entire world starts to spin and it's like he becomes sick. He wakes up in his bed ill, presumably from heartbreak, I would assume, and shock. This is the moment of the movie where it takes a left turn And there's mayhem and wackiness. And I couldn't have written this myself. So he awakens and there's a letter. 
And I'm thinking, oh, it's a trick that someone wrote pretending to be Maria or something. No, it's a letter from Rotwang inviting him to see an erotic dancer that evening. No, I'm not joking. He's basically like, do you want to go to the strip club with me and see an erotic dancer? I'm like, what? And Freighter wakes up from his sick bed. What? <laughs> so obviously he doesn't go. But now the next scene opens to a room full of generic wealthy men in suits at an erotic dance show from 1927 and Machine Man Maria, Evil Maria, is the star. It is the strangest <laughs> dance I have ever seen because she's got her makeup done where one eye is very, very heavily done with black liner and, and makeup and the other eye is just done a little very subtly in an odd way and she contorts her face a lot so she just looks evil and strange and she pulls her face so well so she's supposed to be this mix of weird and sexy and different and dangerous and of course all the men in the crowd love it but it's so weird and her dance has bird-like movements and there's a lot of hula hoop hip movements and the oddest combination of dance moves that you've probably ever seen. This girl did a great job in the movie. <laughs> The thin man appears to Freighter on his sickbed, convincing him that Maria has now decided to become a sitter. So he's kind of uh, inducing a hallucination in um, and trying to manipulate Freighter. For some reason, the bodies in the catacombs come to life. Maybe that's the thin man pretending to be death, it was a little confusing to me. But basically the thin man wants Freighter to believe that death is coming for the city. Then Maria's get, dance gets even stranger and for some reason the men in the audience love it. They really play it well when they're flashing from different scenes, the calmness to her sharp bird-like movements. It's really strange and fascinating. So, Freighter and his security guard are reunited. The friend, the friend are reunited. And um, he says, I'm in disguise because I had to escape the thin man. And um, so they, they have their little bond. More freaky weird dancing and all the men at the show um, she's, she's playing them off each other to become instant enemies of each other in jealous rages to have Maria. She's inciting violence. She's encouraging them all to fight for her and she's really playing it with them. The security guard friend explains about the new dancer and that her name is also Maria. They are confused if a woman from the depths in purity 
could really reject everything to become an erotic dancer and a, in their words, sinner. Not in their words, but in their vision, a sinner. So now we switch to a scene with Rotwang talking um, with the original Maria. So he's basically just copied her face onto the machine man. So she's held in a room in the tower. So Rotwang is telling her the plan and he's just spewing a lot of hate towards the father, Fro, and um, how he's manipulated the men of the underworld. And Maria is absolutely horrified understanding what is happening and that she has no control. Naturally, it it uh, counteracts and it switches to sprinkling in some weird, some more weird scenes of, of evil Maria doing this super creepy, weird dance. <laughs> she does a great job of looking evil. She also um, goes into the underworld dressed as her alter ego, alter ego, like down into the underworld as well. Uh, so she does, uh, they, they flash different things that she's going down into the underworld and uh, dressed as the other Maria to, to try and corrupt them as well and create a war because she's been tasked with destroying the city. So as she's pretending to be the real, Mar- the real Maria uh, in the underworld, Freighter bursts in and um, shouts that she's inciting violence and declares she's not the real Maria. Well, all they see, oh, it's not Fro, it's Joe, J-O-H. All they, that's the father, sorry. It's not Fro, it's Joe, J-O-H. All they see is the rich guy's son, the spoiled brat, and they attack him. And uh, just when the crowd, the angry mob, is about to shank him, a guy jumps in front and takes the knife instead. And it's the guy who he had changed identities with. And they, they say on the screen, he's now proving his faithfulness in the end. And um, Fro, or Freighter and the security guard friend take the guy who, who was shanked and, and they take him away and he dies in their arms. But the crowd, the angry mob, carries Maria on their shoulders, headed up to take the city by storm. Rotwang is still explaining his plan to Maria, and you realize that Joe, the father, has been listening to the evil plan as it's being explained to Maria, and he bursts in and attacks Rotwang and frees the real Maria. The riot group, including men and women, head into the elevators and they head up to the city to riot. So in one corner you have Rotwang and Maria, he's telling her what's going on, and the father bursts in to have his confrontation, and Maria runs away, and then you have this underworld mob of people and the above world mob of angry, jealous men. All right. The underworld people, men and women, are going up to rise above and create a riot. 
they get partway um, where the mob rushes towards the heart of the machine, the Wizard of Oz thing, which um, it powers the city basically. And then the father, you see, uh, it flashes that he's just working quietly and methodically in his office. He realizes what's happening and it's out of his control now that his city is going to riot. And he, he knows of the Frankenstein guy, Rotwang's betrayal. And uh, he gets a phone call from the security guy at the, not a security, the, the guy at the front gate that separates the underworld from the above world. And um, he says, they're all rushing the gate, what should I do? And the father says, open the gate, let them out. And the guy, Groat, is like, um, the city could be destroyed? And he says, no, 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 open the gate. He does have a plan. Um, Maria is... Evil Maria is loopy in this scene. <laughs> she just gets even loopier. She is out of this world. She actually activates the mind-switching machine on overload and it, it gets destroyed. And the real Maria is wandering around trying to connect with the mob of people and is mostly confused. And she has a lot of reaction shots. Yeah, there's definitely no Zoolander for this actress. It's amazing. So she's just confused why nobody likes her. And even though, no, maybe not confused. I think she's just out of sorts and afraid. The real Maria tries to turn off the machine and save people. I'm not sure how that works. This is where absolute mayhem takes over in the movie. Like, <laughs> I haven't seen a movie like this in a long time. And there's so much happening, I couldn't quite follow along everything either. So, real Maria is trying to turn off the machine to save people. I'm not sure how that works. Somehow there's a flood and people are running in all directions and then towards a satellite dish. And... I guess the father had activated the flood in the city so that he could drown them all because now they're in the pocket where he had said open the gates. I'm not quite sure. So they're all running in directions, but very musically, like very choreographed. So it's, it's still like they're all moving, but yeah, it's really interesting. There's also a gong banging. Um, I guess it's like an alarm. Some fire hydrants go off. I guess they had fire hydrants. What's really interesting is the the gong, the way they choose to film it. It's not like the side view of a gong where you could see. It basically it's the gong coming towards you. The 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 drum, I guess, coming towards you as the audience member. It's very strange filming. So mayhem is ensuing. Um cut to Freighter and his security guard friend climbing ladders. I guess they're trying to find an escape for everybody. I'm not quite sure. So the town is being flooded. Men and women and children are all trying to climb onto the satellite dish. I guess it's part of the science experiment. Uh, it's a platform. The, the satellite's on a platform to be saved. 
the father in his office is in his office chair now, staring out the window, quietly waiting, knowing his city is about to be destroyed. The power will go out. I think it sounded like a version of Hail to the Chief is playing, like an instrumental version. I'm not quite sure if that was meant to be or if it was implied. Maybe you could go on Twitter and tell me what you think or just let me know. Facebook, whatever, you can tell me what you think. So Freighter and his security guard friend find the gong. I think it's an alarm. Uh, the gong is strange become it's, oh yeah, I put because it's coming towards you. Sorry, I put that twice. Freighter and the real Maria are now reunited on the satellite dish. Hooray! He knows she's the real Maria. Um, they almost kiss during the mayhem and the flood. Someone shouts, to the air vents. Then the men and women and children head to safety in the air vents, I guess. And here's me sitting on the edge of my seat, just waiting for the other Maria to show up. I cannot wait for the confrontation. And just the way she's moving in the audience, like she, in the in the mob, she, you could just tell right away it's her. She's got her her animalistic movements that are all quirky and strange, and it's fascinating to watch. So they're headed to the safety in the air vents and Freighter and his friend try to break down the metal gate. I thought the father ordered the gate to be open. It's a little confusing, but okay. The city is being flooded. It looks very cheesy in those scenes, but it's still enjoyable. It's really enjoyable still. You just, you go with it. Maria and Freighter are reunited with all the children and announce that they will take them to the Club of the Sons. I'm assuming that's the Garden of Eden from the beginning. Maria asks, why are all the lights out? And then for some reason, the men in the mob in the water where there's the flooding are doing a gigantic version of Ring Around the Rosie, perhaps to represent a chaotic run, uh, but choreographed running in circles. I'm not quite sure. So you're going to enjoy that scene. Uh, the father is now running in the streets or walking in the streets, desperate to find out if his son is okay. He's had a revelation that he just wants his son to be okay. He doesn't really care about anything else. He wants his son to be okay. But it is a human connection for him. The gatekeeper whistles to the entire mob, the crowd, and yells, Hey, where are your children? And the people are all confused. Oops. Whoops, there's my Microsoft. With the city underworld underwater, they left all their kids in the underworld. <laughs> and they're all like, oh, <laughs> well, you know, as the audience member that Maria and Freighter have rescued all the children, but now they're an angry mob because they believe that something's happened to their children. And it incites them to call Maria a witch, evil Maria. Cut to her being completely wacky still. I'm not sure how 
but she's now in a crowd of people carrying sticks lit on fire. And then you see the good Maria and Freighter have rescued all the children. Oh no, we're not done yet. Rotwang, Frankenstein guy, has awakened after being knocked out by the father. Maria has finished saving the last of the children when the mob sees her and mistakes her for evil machine man Maria. They chase her, demanding to know where their children are. And if she was in her right mind, and she would have said, oh, I have them, they're safe. But she's so confused, and the mob starts throwing hammers at her. I don't know how they even have hammers in a flood, but okay. <laughs> she escapes, magically escapes hundreds of people chasing her. They do explain it with words on the screen. Meanwhile, evil Maria is partying it up <laughs> and inciting violence in a separate mob of jealous men from the bar. The other mob captures one of the Marias, and we don't know which one yet, as it's mayhem. So the underworld people have captured a version of Maria, and they don't know which one it is. They don't realize there's two. They tie her up and light her on fire. Yeah. Freighter rushes to the scene and is desperate to save her. He doesn't know there's two Marias. Um, Rotwang, Frankenstein guy, sees the havoc and he sees his creature being destroyed. And he's furious because the machine is destroyed and his creature is destroyed. And then out of the corner of his eye, he sees the good Maria and chases her because he wants to somehow rebuild, it implies, he wants to rebuild the machine and recreate his machine man and he sees her as his only chance. So he wants to capture her. So he just keeps chasing her through the whole movie. And she has these amazing <gasps> surprised fight faces. Freighter watches the evil Maria die thinking it's his love, he's devastated. But he hears this bell ringing while Maria's in the tower and she's running from Rotwang and she jumps onto the, the bell rope and she's ringing a bell. Freighter realizes she's okay. And then Rotwang grabs her off the, the rope bell, the rope, and continues chasing her. <laughs> yeah, for real. And it's, it's interesting every time. Back to the crowd, who witness the Maria, the shape reveal its true form of machine man, that it wasn't her. Freighter is following Rotwang and Maria. He catches up to them and confronts them. And then it, 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 uh, switches to the security guard friend uh, begging people to help him. Um, it turns out Freighter and Rotwang are fighting high above on the side of a building within view of the whole crowd. The father is there now watching in horror at his son in peril. 
The security guard friend announces to the crowd that their children are safe. They're starting to, they were starting to get very angry and, and focus on the father who had hurt them for so long with the city. But when they're, they're so elated by hearing their children are safe, they leave him alone. But he's still there and he's watching his son in peril. Well, Freighter climbs up the roof following Rotwang, who's carrying Maria, and that is a hilarious scene. I know it's supposed to be scary, but this is little scientist is carrying Maria, just throwing her around, and he just, so then he's on the top of the roof, and he sees Freighter chasing him, so he just kind of tosses Maria off the side, and it's like, what? He doesn't even try, he just tosses her, and she's hanging on the edge of the building, like of the roof, and uh, she's clinging to the edge. A fight ensues, and both of the, the, the men, uh, Rotwang and Freighter, roll off the roof, and you think they're going to land perilously, but they land okay. Well, it turns out they don't. Um, Rotwang dies, and the sense, the suspense builds, and then we see the father thinking his son is dead, but he isn't. Freighter and Maria are okay. It's Rotwang who fell and everything is good. Freighter and Maria are reunited and safe. And as they exit the building, they exit with the father. So the, they're reunited, they come out. And it's this moment where the fellow representing the city people, the underworld and the city is standing there at one side and the father is standing there on the other side and the the person representing the city offers to make peace and the father says no I will not and uh, he's just not going to do it Maria reminds Freighter that he is the mediator and must be the heart to bring peace. And he does. Freighter convinces both sides to come together. And then the words flash on the screen. The mediator between head and hands must be the heart. The end. So you can see how this movie was a roller coaster ride. It started as this very normal story of, you know, this happens, that happens. Yes, A happens, so B happens, and then C happens. And then all mayhem starts, and the evil Maria was so entertaining. I was beside myself. I couldn't believe the the screen um, majesty that this girl had. She could capture everything without even speaking. And she could just show the, the dichotomy of the both sides of being Maria that you could very easily tell. No matter what she was wearing, you could tell that which was which. And I thought she just did a fabulous job. So I'm going to actually have a look at what else she did. So, actually, let's have a look right now. Um, IMDb. 
Metropolis. Oh, 27. Bridget Helm. Okay, sorry. There she is. Yes, the screenplay was written by Thea von Harbu. Um, okay. After her role in Metropolis, she made a string of movies in which she almost always had the starring role, easily making the transition to sound films. Her last film was Ein Idealer Gatte in 1935, An Ideal Spouse. Ah, there you go. She lived till she was 90 years old in uh, Switzerland. Ascona, Switzerland, interesting. Oh man, her pictures are awesome. Yeah, no Zoolander face for her. So it, uh, through the whole movie, I just saw, like I like science fiction. I've seen a lot of science fiction movies, not every one of them, but you could see, I guess I didn't really see 2001 A Space Odyssey, but apparently he inspired, um, this movie inspired some of the music as well. I'm not sure about that from Wagner and stuff and Schubert for sure. But um, everybody seemed to have been a fan of this movie and I just thought it was really interesting. So I highly recommend this movie. I just watched it on YouTube. Um, it was amusing and fun. It's fun to go back and see what once was before we had the opportunity to really suspend reality, what were the stakes? What, how hard did people have to push and suspend belief and really dive into a movie? And I don't know, I just thought it was a really interesting experiment of what was available in storytelling at the time and how much impact did that one movie have? Well, and Star Wars itself impacted so many things after. So, I, I don't know, I just, I think it made me very happy and entertained. And I was never scared. It was fast-paced. And it had the right, the right temperament, all the elements that a science fiction movie should have. So well done. Thank you for listening. And I, I do hope you watch it and then listen to this again and you can make your own suppositions from it. <laughs>